This week we read The Adventure of the Yellow Face. Hmm. I can't believe it's not a hate crime. <laughs> The game is afoot, all our buddies. Welcome back to the final podblum. The only Sherlock Holmes read-through podcast that sleeps with a watch under its pillow for just such an occasion. I, for my part, am old CW, the head honcho who's wearing a poncho, and joining me as always is St. Nicholas of Lavender Town. How you doing, pal? Good. I was really trying to think of like some kind of funny intro, but I just... Uh... We gotta do something with the bead lizards. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Uh, Nick, it's 2020. We're not doing humor anymore. We're, not do- we're done with humor? Okay. Alright. <laughs> no, we're doing fear disguised as funny words. <laughs> I'm Nicholas Cohen, and you just have to deal with that information. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am Nicholas Cohen, and you have no choice. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. This week we, yeah. uh, we did, we read The Adventure of the Yellow Face, which is the spiritual antithesis of, uh, the one we read last time. It really the, is. Uh, what's that called? The three, the three, the, the, three, the gobbles. three gables. Yeah, yes. the three goblins. The, the gable, the gables of fire, um, <laughs> was real bad. And it, it is like, we, we talked about it when we read that one, that there's like significant controversy in the fandom over who, and nobody, nobody seems to take it too terribly seriously, the idea that Doyle didn't actually write this, but they literally don't seem like they were written by the same person. They really don't. Yeah. This, this one, um, is like, it, the Three Gables is the mere verse evil episode of this story, really because is. this really- It's this story with a goatee. It is. This, uh, yeah, this story is- And a cat suit. A very, it is the antithesis of The Three Gables in every way. It's, it's a very standard Sherlock Holmes story. It's, it's really- Boy ain't it's, it. It's, it's like, uh, it, it feels like just a classic, uh, the, the structure of the story, the events, everything is just kind of like, yes, this is a Sherlock Holmes story. And I'm actually really happy because- this, um, I had, uh, uh, because I was not up to reading yesterday, I had Vaughn actually read me this story, and it was the first, Aww. yeah, it was the first time I'd ever heard him read aloud, and also the first Sherlock Holmes story that he ever read, so I was really glad it was this story, because this is a good yeah. one. Um, I, yeah, that is. Yeah, so this is, this is a really that good intro. Out. Um, so, yeah, uh, this, I, I love this story. When I first read it, um, at, like, 16 or whenever i read it i like this is the only story that i like actually cried at the end which i don't cry very much sure. uh while i'm reading but except for if it's lord of the rings but um th- well, this yeah, one really different. was like i i love this story it's great so watson introduces this story uh kind of explaining like hey this is going to be a story that uh holmes actually did not uh come to the right conclusion he actually got this one wrong but it's yeah. it's such a good story that I wanted to put it out anyway, and he just kind of emphasizes that like I'm not trying to make Holmes look bad by posting these. I just really right. um, wanted to tell this story because it's a good one. And there's a quote uh, where he says, uh, "This is in like the first or second paragraph." Uh, where he, Holmes, failed, it happened too often that no one else succeeded, and that the tale was left forever without a conclusion. Now and again, however, it right. chanced that even when he earned, or even when he aired, the truth was still discovered. And this is the latter kind of story, where he, he does, he does mess up, he, he doesn't actually come to the right conclusion, but they still find out right. what happened. Uh, so you're not gonna, he, Watson's like, hey, Holmes failed in this story, but you're not going to be disappointed. Trust me. Just trust me. Um, right. So, yeah. I like that for two reasons. Um, one, I, I like the idea that Doyle had to preface the story to be like, because, like, if, if the readers got to the end and Sherlock <laughs> lost, they would have fucking rioted. They would have right? <laughs> down his office. <laughs> so he just had to prep them. And two... Uh, I like this story and it, because, uh, it's, it's like the five orange pips. If Holmes and Watson hadn't been involved, exactly the same thing would have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just, they just happened to be there to see it. Yeah. Holmes only exactly. really. Sherlock was there to lose and do nothing else. Yeah. All he really does is give this guy one piece of advice. The guy follows the advice and that's really all of Holmes involvement. Exactly. In it was probably what he was going to do anyway. Yeah. yeah. So who, 
The client arrives at Baker Street while Holmes and Watson are out. Watson is able to convince Holmes to go for a walk because it's springtime. It's nice out. They're boyfriends. Um, and so yep. they come back and I was like, all right, I'll go for a walk. They come back and, uh, Mr. Grant Monroe is there or he, he came while they were out. He comes and in. Holmes kind of makes a joke about how yeah. like, oh, well, so much for afternoon walks. I missed a client. And, um, and, but then he comes back and starts, starts telling his story and he's obviously very distressed as clients are. Uh, oh no, he leaves his pipe first. Yeah. They come back yes. and he's left his pipe there. Um, and Holmes goes on a, nice long deduction about about pipes yeah it was actually pretty interesting to me uh as a as a as an occasional pipesman yeah um so just talking about how like well look there's some scorches on the side of the bowl here but the side of the bowl on which there are scorches indicates that he's left-handed uh he's probably very strong because his chompers have really done a number on the amber mouthpiece here uh and just a bunch of stuff about it um and that they deduce that he's a wealthy man because uh, Holmes, famously a student of different types of uh, tobacco ash, mm-hmm. has deduced that, like, because there's, there's really cheap, nasty tobacco, there's pretty good tobacco, and then, like, way more down the expensive line, it's like, it's the same grade of tobacco, but at this point you're paying, like, three yeah. times <laughs> the price, just for the name brand. Right. So, they've, yeah. Yeah, and uh, as uh, it made me really miss smoking a pipe. One, I used to have a corncob pipe. Uh, I can I can absolutely see around. that yeah <laughs> yeah and I burned through the side of it oh yeah which is weird because huh. I wasn't smoking fucking thermite right like it was just <laughs> I don't know I think it was where'd you get it or something but anyway where'd you get the pipe I got it at CVS which may <laughs> in retrospect yeah have been a factor yeah you should that get was while CVS still sold tobacco you should get products. a good one. Uh, one of these days, like a really like sturdy one and just have it. I don't know. I don't know. I should. I keep meaning to invest in like a Gandalf pipe. I yeah. saw a picture. I saw a tweet today. Like shaped like a dragon or something. The Gandalf's exactly, but Gandalf's pipe actually fits into his staff. What? I'll have to I'll show it to the I know. It, but we, don't, we don't have time to fight it right now, but I'll <laughs> yeah, I'll retweet it and I'll I'll find it for you. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Uh, so no, it was just cool to see some pipe stuff. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, Grant Munro does arrive, all a fluster, mm-hmm. telling Holmes, and that's another thing, this story is 80% talking. It's 80% this guy telling us stuff that's already happened, yeah. and then 20% a thing happening. And like, that's what pissed us off in The Noble Bachelor and other stuff, but it works here. It totally works. It's a very in this simple one. story, like, three things happen. They're just interesting things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's telling us, and Holmes, that something is up with his wife, Effie, mm-hmm. uh, who spent some time in the colonies, uh, but returned after her husband and child died of yellow fever or in a horse factory explosion. <laughs> um, they it was yellow were fever. as close as man and wife. <laughs> they, it was? It wasn't <laughs> the horse factory explosion? It was not the okay. horse factory explosion. Uh, they were as close as could be until recently she started acting hella spish mm-hmm. and uh, started asking for monies and refusing to explain why. Just general skulking, you know, be- behavior that warranted, I don't know that warranted suspicion is the word, but definitely warranted attention being paid to it. Yeah. Well, it's, he's introduced, um, he, he introduces his wife as like, look, we, you know, we're, we totally get along. We love each other. We've been married for three years. We've never had, we've never had any issues, but recently, um, she's doing, been doing the following strange things that are like not necessarily weird, but just, yeah, just suspicious because they're unusual for her. And she won't tell him anything. And she won't tell him anything, which is really like what's getting to him because usually they share everything. So first, right. um, so, so they they live they live in a house and there's a uh there's a cottage nearby like there I think it's their nearest uh neighbor there's uh there's a cottage across right. the field from them and someone had just moved into it and so he he goes for a walk one day and uh goes to see like who's who's moved in and just kind of introduce himself and two weird things happen one is that he uh the lady who answers the door is just extremely short at, t- with him and rude and just kind of like, yeah. She's a witch. Yeah, he, right? He's like, he's like, hey, do you need any help moving in shoes? She's like, well, well, if we need help, we'll tell you. And then she just kind of shuts the door in his face and he's like, yeah, that's weird. And then he also 
Number two weird thing that happened, even weirder thing, is he looks up at the window and he sees, like, a really grotesque, creepy-looking face of, like, this just horrible face, like, yellow, livid color, and he's like, that's really scary. And so that that happens, and he's like, alright, whatever. And then, um, I think it's that night or the next night, his wife, uh, he's known to be a, uh, really heavy sleeper, but this night, for whatever reason, he woke up, and his wife uh, had snuck out of the house to go do something, Correct. and then she sneaks back in. A nocturnal excursion. And he's like, where where, where are you going? What's up? And she doesn't answer. She's just like... Don't worry about like, it. She's like, well, I really needed some fresh air, and so I went outside to get some fresh air, and now I'm fine. And he can just tell that she's lying. He's... Um, right. Yeah. Because one, she's clearly lying, <laughs> and two... Like, at the time, didn't they believe in the whole, like, miasma thing? Like, didn't they believe that night air was literally poisonous? I don't remember what, like, era that was, but yeah, I could see, I could see that. And, like, sea air, air will cure era. every illness. Era. 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 Yeah. The era of air. Air, air era. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I just like to bring the podcast to a halt to point that out. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. That was necessary. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so that happens, and then, uh, he doesn't really, he doesn't really question her about it too much, but he's like, they're, they're, uh, they, they're not talking about it. Things are a little weird. And then she, uh, the next day she asks him for a hundred pounds of money, which... Which is a lot of money. That's more than the annual rent on their cottage. Yes, I actually looked up the conversion for this. I don't know why. Thank God. <laughs> okay, great. That worked out nicely. <laughs> right. I read your mind. Um, so 100 pounds at the time uh, translated to... Wait, let me guess. Yes, guess. Go ahead. Yes. Nick's, Nick's currency Nick's conversion. Nick's currency, currency conversion um, corner, yes. Nook, I like that better. Uh, yeah, there you go. Nick's numbers, um, Let's see here. Well, Ken, Ken Jennings recently told me that you can roughly multiply a number by 25. So I'll say... Uh, that's, uh, 25,000 pounds? Uh, no, that can't possibly be right. What is it? It's a little less. Okay. So, uh, 20,000, 20,000, 20,000 uh, pounds. No. Uh, it's, okay, so 100 pounds, 100 British pounds at the time, uh, translated to 1,300 British pounds, or in American dollars. Oh, that's... Yeah, yeah in American dollars, 15,073, uh, dollars. So, um... That's a lot. That's like way more than a hundred. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, and like couples couples who mix their money, like my missus and I don't mix our money, and it's not like a trust issue or anything. It's just because we had these financial systems in place before we got together, and it's a it's honestly a huge fucking pain to try to right. merge them. Um, yeah. so like we don't generally like need permission or anything, but we we keep each other apprised. And people, you know, couples who share their money generally have a thing like, look, if you're going to spend less than fifty dollars or or whatever the number is, you know, mm-hmm. depending, like if you're going to spend less than X amount of money, don't fucking bother me about it. You're fine, just whatever. Yeah, you're yeah. you're a grown human. Yeah, just don't buy more swords than we need (laughs) but um but this is this is a fantastic sum of money um and she here this is important she came into the marriage with her own money with something like four thousand pounds which just based on what you told me 40 times 1300 hey google what's 1300 times 40 the answer is fifty two thousand. okay so she came into the into the marriage with 50,000 pounds mm-hmm. which is still more dollars yeah. and she said look you can have all my monies i don't want them we're going to have this in common no prenup no nothing and if i just need any of my monies you can just give me some of my monies and he said that is cool by me <laughs> uh because i want to invest in things yeah he came in with uh he's a hot merchant i can't imagine that like he's yeah, he's pretty he well off um but i think she might she probably has more money cuz her her previous husband was a lawyer and he died Correct. of, her backstory is, she was married to someone in America, he was a lawyer, pretty well off, totally provided for her, um, he, they had a kid together, and they both died of right. yellow fever, which is what brought Horse her back to England, explosion. she was like, actually, fuck all of America, I'm going back to England, this is horrible, and They're once she gets back horrible. to England, she marries this guy, and they, everything's been great until now, so, that was just, kind of, I don't remember if we, like, said that, but it was important context um no it is it's important I, yeah and he's he's a wonderful husband they're great to each other yeah. uh there are only two things about this dude i want to point out before we progress one he sleeps with a watch under his pillow what the fuck is that about? <laughs> how are you gonna see it in the middle of the night i don't know um 
It's like, I, yeah, you can I know, go to I, bed on time. I know, I also got caught up on that detail. I'm like, okay, hold on. Is that, is that just something that everyone did? That has to mean was that, something. Was that like an era thing? Or, I don't know, maybe... I'm sure someone will tell maybe, us. Well, I, the only thing, my guess, just completely off the top of my head, no, no historical knowledge whatsoever. Right. Um, it's, it's proven that, uh, ticking clocks, hearing a clock ticking calms you down. Uh, right, it's a heartbeat, it's a heartbeat thing. thing. It's a womb so thing. Like, having it under your yeah. pillow, you can kind of hear it. It would help you sleep. I get that. I could see that that... Like if you put an alarm clock yeah. under a puppy's basket, so they think, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. The second thing yeah. I want to point out is that when he came into Baker, Baker Street, he was described as carrying a brown wide awake. Yes, what is that? You didn't look it up? No. I'm so glad you did No, I, okay. I imagine it, okay, I imagine it as being like some kind of bag. Some kind of like... Uh, no. No? I'm so glad. Okay. Because this is, oh my god, you're gonna think I'm making this up and I'm not, I promise. Okay. Oh so I god. highlighted it and I looked it up and I'm gonna read you the definition. Here we go. Why don't Thank yeah, you? Yeah, why, I'm not gonna look it up. You send me a picture of it. Or I'll look it up after you tell me what it is. Well, no, it, okay, well, I just, I just, I'll tell you the definition. It's a hat. Okay. It's a hat. Okay. It's just a hat. Alright. It, yeah, it's not like a ridiculous hat or anything, but, uh, wide awake. Noun, a soft felt hat with a low crown and a wide brim from the mid-19th century. Its name is a pun. It's called a wide awake because it's a soft felt hat, so it does not have a nap. A nap? What's a nap? Like the... What's a... Yeah, nap like the, like the, like the pattern or the brush of the felt. Like it's soft felt. Oh, so it's not like, it doesn't have a grain to it. It's very dumb. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like some made It's up not on you shit. that you didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's so That's good. great. It makes me very happy. So, yes. Um, he wakes up, she's up to some skullduggery, and, uh, he just doesn't bring it up because they're in a weird place in their marriage right now. Um, some <laughs> days later, as the weirdness is progressing, he sees her coming out of the neighbor house and confronts her mm-hmm. saying, Kayla fuck. Yeah. And, uh, and she begs his trust and he agrees as long as she agrees to never go there again. This thing will just be done and, and they can move on. They can move past it. It's fine. And she just goes, cool. How about I do anyway? <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. She's like, all right, great. And then just keeps going. Uh, yeah, which I, I thought that was like pretty generous of her, honestly, um, to go from randomly, uh, or to go from never having any secrets to suddenly having a big secret and then just being like, you know what? I right. will let this go. If it just doesn't become a thing. And, uh, yeah. But alas, it becomes a thing. And, oh no. <laughs> so, so he sees her coming out of the college, or the cottage, uh, confrontation. Nope, ensues. the college. Nope, the college. And, um, you know, she, she promises to stop visiting. Uh, but then he, uh, he sees her again. The second time he sees her, uh, I think he, I think he was also, he was going for another walk, not intending to, like, investigate further but he happened to go by the cabin no, he, was just taking a yeah, he happened to go by the cabin again and sees her again so he's like you know what he just kind of snaps he's like you know what i'm just gonna find out what's going on here so he tries to get into the cabin and she or does he actually go in yeah oh yeah no so he, he actually does, does he go in. in yeah he he just busts into the house he's like move i'm i'm gonna figure out what's going on here and he walks around and none of the houses none of the rooms are really furnished which makes sense because they moved pretty recently, but except one room, which is yeah. very nicely furnished and all set up. And then there's a picture of the wife on the mantelpiece. So he sees that the and is like, type. he's like, okay, yeah. something's up here. I, you know, automatically assumes the worst that she's probably having an affair with somebody or, or whatnot. Right. And is reasonable assumption it, given the evidence. And it's just kind of like, okay, this is awful. I'm in, he, he doesn't talk to her. And I think right. Right. I think that's the last thing that happens before he goes to see Holmes. He's like, I don't know for sure we're, what's... We're caught up at that. Yeah, point. I don't know for sure what's going on, Mr. Holmes, but, like, I can you help me at all? What, like, what do I do? I, you know, she's not going to tell right. me anything. I don't want to know, but I do want to know kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And I definitely don't want this to be happening anymore, whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. So Holmes says, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go home. And if it happens again, you're going to wire us and then stay put 
and we will come and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And here's, it's my favorite line in the whole story. He says, do not fret until you know that you really have cause for it. And then he shoes the guy out, and then he leaves, <laughs> and he immediately turns to Watson and says, I am afraid that this is a bad business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watson, this is awful. This is really dark, dude. Watson, this is real yeah. bad. <laughs> Great. I don't think that man died in a horse factory explosion at all. <laughs> Peak customer service Holmes right here. Yes! Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. Uh, it's so good. Um, so yeah, they, he, he just tells him, you know what, go back. If you, if you think that the cottage has been evacuated after this whole thing that you did, uh, then right. don't worry about it. But if you, if you see people still there, let me know and we will come and Right. See what's up. So Monroe goes back, uh, immediately sees, uh, sees people in the cottage. So he's like, all right. So he, he sees the yellow face in the window sure. once again, um, just staring at him. And he's like, I, yeah, people are there. Come on, come on out. Holmes and Watson go there and meet him. And he, and Monroe's just kind of at this point, like, I'm, I'm going to go back in there and figure out what's going on. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. Like, we're right. not, we're not going about yeah. this in any roundabout way. We're just going to go in. And Holmes is kind of just like, well, that's very illegal. But you know what? I want to find out what happens to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, says, Wait a minute. I've, I've got a line here. Yeah, I was lying earlier. This is actually my favorite line. <laughs> it's, of course, legally, we are putting ourselves hopelessly in the wrong. But I think that it is worth it. <laughs> literally, I'm so glad you put that quote because I literally have that same quote highlighted. It's so good. It's, it's just so good. It reminds the me of, there's a Ron Swanson quote where he and Andy Dwyer are talking about something, and Andy says, isn't that illegal? And he says, you and I have a philosophical difference over what constitutes a law. (laughs) (laughs) There's powerful Swanson energy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, It is important to note that at this point, Holmes's theory is that her American husband somehow escaped the horse factory explosion and the town <laughs> that it leveled around it, and that he is alive. People who and have not read her. this story are going to be so confused about the horse factory business. I was confused when I read about the horse factory Casey. explosion. I thought that horse factory safety regulations had been put in place by this time specifically to prevent this kind of incident. So I just want to know: when you say horse factory, do you mean? <laughs> A factory that employs horses horse in getting factory. its job done, or a factory where horses are made and come from? It's a horse factory. Well, why would it be? It's a, it's where they make horses. Why would it be? You don't name a place after the people who work there. You don't. You don't like. When I worked at Blockbuster, it was a. You didn't go down to the video clerk store. <laughs> Listen. Alright, let's just move on. I have nothing. I cannot possibly think of anything to say to that. The horse factory, yes, of course. <laughs> where champions okay, so, are made. But, but, yes. So it is, where, yes, uh, Kentucky Derby champions. Um, <laughs> it is important about. to note, um, yeah, Holmes does not suppose that this woman is having an affair with, with her former husband. Yeah. He thinks that this guy turned out to be a bad egg, and she fled using the horse factory explosion as a convenient excuse, and um, that he has tracked her down and is now, like, blackmailing her, saying, hey, I will, I'll blow your life up if you don't yeah. give me some money she, or, or Yeah, whatever. she says at one point that her uh, her previous husband, she's, he died and she has his death certificate. Uh, Mr. Monroe has seen right. it. Um, he knows that she's death, telling the truth there. Explosion. And Holmes is like, you know what? That, that could easily be forged. Um, he, yeah, yeah he, he presents his You can't his put theory. something that's not true on a piece of paper. You can't do that. That's, that's like it illegal or done. something. Um, or a tweet. So, no matter if you're president or not. So, so, yeah, he, he's, he's got a theory. Uh, that, that's his theory so far. He says, I don't know if this is 100% true, but so far, with what I have to work out, right work with um i think that her her husband is still alive and is chasing her down and trying to get her back for whatever reason and they're blackmailing her or just extort her for money yeah or just extorting her for money yeah so that's that's where he lost everything in the horse factory explosion there were hooves (laughs) everywhere (laughs) so so yeah they're on so they're they're on their way it's rain and horse um i i got a sip of water i'm collecting myself Collecting yourself like liquefied horse collected in the gutters of the small town from which they came. Casey, shut up! (laughs) Nobody wants to hear about this. (laughs) Nobody wants to hear about this. 
Nobody, Nobody wants, to, wants hear to hear about how they were cleaning mains out of their screen doors for weeks. Nobody wants the horse discourse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it when you get the episode title. <laughs> horse discourse, okay. yeah. The, the titles never make any sense with the I episode. Know. It's like there's no, there's, there isn't even a horse in this story. It's fine. It's great. <laughs> we love it. Welcome to the final problem. Um, so, I've talked much too much. I'm going to play with my slinky and you're going to tell us what happens next. Not I'm going to give you all. the best part. No, you've been doing a wonderful I'm going to give you the job. best part of this story. Okay. Okay. So. I'll do it justice. The three dudes, uh, with, with peak, uh, white male energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they storm the house. <laughs> they say, we have every right to be here. And once again, with big Ron Swanson energy, essentially produce a piece of paper that says, I can do what I want. I can do what I want. <laughs> Monroe. <laughs> yeah. And, um, they meet the witch from earlier and, uh, then discover a wee child of color who is wearing a yellow mask and long white gloves. And the gloves, I had to read this uh, a couple times. Mm. Um, and the gloves confused me the first go around. I was like, why gloves? Who knows? And then I figured out, oh no, it's, so the child appears to have white hands. Yeah. Yeah, basically. So yeah, yeah they, they go into, I thought it yeah. had something to do with like American minstrelsy. Cause you know, there was the, the like the sort of Mickey Mouse minstrel show. Yeah. I'm doing jazz hands, which is probably more offensive than I realized. Dude, I read a tweet the other day. Yeah. Somebody I'm said sorry. ever since, ever since, <laughs> ever since somebody explained to me why it's called the master bedroom, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Oh no. And that ruined it. Oh. I know. Yeah. Damn. Well, I know. God damn it. It's the biggest bedroom now and forever. <laughs> exactly. It's bedroom number one. Big That's bedroom. it. You can't even let us have architecture racism. <laughs> God. Untouched. Nothing is untouched. Leave floor plans out of this. Right. Uh, so yeah, they, they go into the room and they see a little kid sitting at the table and she turns around and, yeah. and, uh, Watson's like, scared he he gets spooked because he sees the yellow face that monroe ah. was describing like whoa what is that and it's just a mask it's a mask yeah, that she's ethnic. wearing and they're like oh haha that's that's weird why is this kid wearing a mask and all that and um basically okay no wait you go on you were gonna do this part that's all i got i don't know why Good, no uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it will it just uh appears to transpire that uh evie evie arrives not evie i just effie. abbreviated yeah. her as e in my in my notes here <laughs> effie arrives um, she explains that her, uh, late husband is in fact very dead. He, uh, much like the child, was black, was of color, and that he did not die in the horse factory explosion, but did in fact die in a crab avalanche incident. Oh my god. And she <laughs> left the child, uh, who I don't believe gets a name, but left the child no, in her name's the Lucy. USA. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I must have missed that, because I was sleeping. One time. Literally one time, yeah. That's right. <laughs> So she had to leave Lucy because she had amputated her entire life to be with this man. Mm. Because this was the mid, what would have been late 1800s maybe? I don't know what year this is from. Uh, 1893. It's, exactly. (laughs) When America was not the progressive, racially tolerant place it, I'm not even going to finish the joke, but, um. Do you want me to try to stumble my way through this? (laughs) Yeah, no, you can, you can, uh, go right, go right ahead. I just wanted to get my crab avalanche joke. <laughs> okay. Well, you did, so let's, let's go. Alright, so, um, yeah, she, she immediately, so, so this transpires and she immediately comes in and she's like, you know what, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, it, it is time. It is time for me to tell you what the fuck has been going the prestige. on. <laughs> now that you're all here. So, she just kind of lays out the entire explanation right there. Uh, she's like, hey, look, this is my locket. And the husband's like, I didn't think that locket opened. And she's like, well, it does. Here's a picture of my husband, and he's a handsome black man, and she's like, okay, he actually did die, but our child lived, um, the crab and she, she was totally alive, and I couldn't bring her over here until... So her, her old husband died, she moved to moved back to England, married this guy, and is like, right. you know what, I, I really want to marry this guy, but I cannot... Uh, I have to, for, I have to leave my several, other, yeah, for, for several reasons. Yeah. And I think considering the historical context of this story, I can't really yeah. blame her. Like, I, I get it. Like, as shitty as it is to kind of just leave your kid there in another country yeah. and then just go off and be married. It's like, I, I think there was also an issue where like the kid was, uh, 
like it was her her immune system or her health or something she couldn't get the kid over here because she wasn't well enough to travel yet and once she was well enough to travel she's like hey you know nurse bring bring the kid over here you can you can live in this yeah you can live in this cottage i'll come visit you whenever and just be married and have like best of both worlds and um that's that always works because she just assumes her husband's gonna immediately be like no that's not happening kind of thing and eat it too yeah um and so they they move in and that's that's basically uh she basically was just like yeah she didn't want to tell her husband that she had a mixed race daughter because she had no idea how he would react to it which is fair (laughs) well and honest honestly the more the more i think about it um the more layers of difficulty i see here because uh first of all child from a previous marriage that's already rough usually okay yeah that's that's on the brady bunch i mean it's it's okay yeah. but it is it is rough and would have been a burr uh black child child of mixed race because here's the thing she would have been both right? right she would have been like okay yeah we can acknowledge that she's mixed race but in most of the world that means she's black but she's both tough american child more social stigma there yeah and as you noted, as it was implied, she developed a terrible, terrible shellfish allergy after escaping from the crab avalanche. <laughs> so with her infirmity, there would have been yet more social difficulty. Right. So there yes. were a lot, a lot of layers that, uh, it really was honestly just kind of more elegant and probably the kinder thing to just try to sidestep that until such time as she was in a position right. to say, I'm established this we can do this now and the whole yellow yeah and the whole yellow face thing from the title was uh she 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 mentions that she had the kid wear a mask and the gloves uh because she was gonna look out the windows you can't control that and she didn't want any rumors to spread to the neighborhood that she was there and because people be racist and she was like i'm just so instead (laughs) i will let people think i have a monster right living (laughs) in my gotten a better mask or anything um but at least but yeah so it was all just it really was all just her trying to protect her child as much as she could uh because she loves her kid she loves her husband and she just didn't think it was safe shouldn't have to, to choose between the two she shouldn't have yeah. to and the good news is she doesn't because um monroe immediately is like once he finds once he realizes everything that is going on he immediately picks up the kid gives her a kiss and is like Scoops let's her. let's go Smoosh. talk about this in our house with our kid and he immediately just instantly accepts the child and everyone says oh it's and great Holmes just leaves and and then um yeah it's great and uh it's Again, just so weird and unexpected after reading The Three Gables. It's like this, the whole crux of the story relies upon this. And it's, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's a story that is, um, uh, the historical context is key to this story, but it's, yeah. it's very nice and surprising almost in a way to like, read a story that was literally published in 1893 that treats the whole situation as sympathetically as it does like yeah for real it's like well and it's yeah it's it's not only the opposite spiritually and tonally of the three gables it's the opposite structurally too because as you note like the race issue is actually key it is Mm -hmm. the bone of contention in the entire it's the fulcrum on which the entire machine rests yeah and in the three gables it was literally this black man has nothing to do with anything. I'm it was totally irrelevant. To... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It had no mechanical purpose. And Brad Kefauver, God bless him, uh, <laughs> sent you and I uh, a bit from like an unpublished thing where Doyle had like a Chinese character. Yeah, and it was it real was bad. So bad. It was real <laughs> bad. And I just wonder how. So here's the thing: Lucy doesn't get any lines. No, she doesn't get any dialogue at all. And that's probably a good thing. Yeah, right? yeah, probably. Well, I think she's like also like three, so she wouldn't really right. be talking that much anyway. Um, but that's a point. I yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just so weird. I I I can never. I I have such a hard time. Like, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, I don't know. Kayaking, coming to terms, I guess, with the <laughs> with people who are like. Because cause this story kind of relies on, like, the whole children are innocent and they're, right. like, you, it, it's a child. So, of course, you're going to want him to accept her and, you know, regardless of right. her race or whatever. But then it's, like, when they become adults, that suddenly isn't a thing anymore. I don't know. Like, it's just. 
Yeah. Because at the time, historically, it's um, like, kids are kids, but I don't know. I, I At least in the function of the story, I think, not to be like, oh, this story is totally unproblematic, it's completely, but, and not to like, have to have something wrong with the story, but I think right. reading it, I kind of got the impression that like, it works because it's a child kind of thing. It's more, it's less about like, while it is about the race, it's more about like, this is a parent child relationship that we're expecting your sympathy to be about. Like, despite her, like, well, Vaughn's theory, when he read the story, he actually got pretty close. He didn't think it was the husband. He thought it was the Mm -hmm. kid, but he didn't think it was a race thing. He thought the kid was just like, really messed up somehow like they had some kind they were disfigured or something right. or like from illness in classic they doyle just fashion right gross for some reason um but it's it's kind of like i don't know I, I don't really know where i was going with that but it, it it's still dis- well it's yeah it's interesting that you say that um i i know i say this every episode now i was listening to omnibus it's a really good show and i really <laughs> recommend it uh, you'll learn a lot and you'll enjoy it um they did an episode on scrappy do and not specifically on scrappy do but on the narrative mechanic of inserting an adorable little character into a failing show or franchise <laughs> uh, to try to revive it that's interesting and the brady bunch did this with cousin oliver scooby doo did it with uh with scrappy doo obviously and <laughs> next generation did it and, with wesley um, i'm kidding <laughs> eggs <laughs> no kidding. they brought that up <laughs> from the beginning that's absolutely correct yeah. and it didn't work <laughs> Um, it never works, honestly. But there are a, a lot of really interesting narrative reasons they do it. But one thing they pointed out was uh, that the Cosby Show did it with Raven Simone, um, who we will later know became so very Raven. <laughs> and they pointed out that Americans, white Americans, specifically have an obsession with adorable black children. Mm-hmm. Um, and only for as long as they are adorable black Babies, children. yeah. Because once they become... Once they become teenagers, that's when you start calling the cops on picnics. Yeah. Um, it's true, and you should say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. Um, because once, once they become teenagers, it's, it's true that, uh, uh, black girls are sexualized in media and by, by people just in general, uh, earlier and worse when they're younger than, than white girls because they are seen as being older when they are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think has to do with, with racial associations of femininity and, and markers of sexual maturity. That's, that's, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But the point is that like, um, young black men are, as we know, mm-hmm. legally considered adults and responsible for their crimes and such and you know you've got fucking 25 28 30 year old white kids who drive a fucking limousine or whatever their car into a party and kill people and they say oh i was rich and i didn't know better and they're fine and they get away with everything Uh, whereas you know (laughs) exactly whereas young black men are dangerous murderous thugs at fucking 13 or whatever they're grown men they knew what to their consequences 13 yeah yeah um so that's you you make a really interesting and excellent point that like the 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 fact that it is a child and a very small child mm-hmm. um does offset almost any racial racial association that would have been there at the time if it had been uh either the husband like the grown husband mm-hmm. or even an adult or not an adult but like a more grown uh, black child mm-hmm. because there are connotations in place and I don't know if that was true at the time but like it would have been viewed as a different situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's, there's a lot to this. And I mean, of course, again, this story is historical. It's older. These, it, this is really before right. any of this started becoming an issue. Uh, right. this, this being like, also, um, we're two white dudes. Don't yeah, know what again, we're talking about. Disclaimer but. always. Um, but yeah, there's, there's always inherently an issue where the, the crux of the story depends on the fact of someone being a minority in some way like if the whole story relies upon the like this this wouldn't really be this whole story would not have happened if it was a white kid basically she would have just brought the kid and been like hey this is my kid from previous marriage it wouldn't have happened yeah um so there is always inherently issues with that like similarly if you have like just a very basic example if you have a gay character where like the whole like like thing of their story is just leading up to surprise this character is gay it's like it's not it's not really a thing but and there's always kind of like it's just it's just kind of a cheap way to to 
deal with that with someone being a minority. It's just cheap. It's like just have them be another character, you know, have them experience, right. have it not be relied on that. But I think in this instance and with the historical context, it's it works really well. It's great. And um It does. It can be done well. It it really can. And I think Doyle weirdly um is proving that really well uh in this story he yeah he really like took a shot and uh it it succeeded i don't know if it was like purely luck if he was like if he had constructed that or not or but either way um this story is great and i like highly recommend i really don't have yeah. any issues with this story uh i just needed something to talk about a bit for you know you you have to with with stuff like this you you should analyze it from any every angle possible you should so you haven't seen the new Spider-Demands with no. the Tom Holland in? No. Okay, do you mind if I spoil something from the first one for I you? I don't care. I'm never going to watch them. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> that's fair. You should. They're good, but that's fair. So all throughout the first movie, uh, spoilers for a movie from like four years ago, mm. all throughout the first movie, um, the Spider-Man, uh, the young, the young Peter Parker, uh, he is mad crushing private eye, um, <laughs> on this, uh, lovely young girl of color, not classically on Mary Jane Watson, but, uh, he's, he's just into this girl. And we see the bad guy who is played by the Val Kilmer, uh, throughout the whole movie and rah, rah, rah. And the whole thing comes to a head when he asks her to the prom, she says yes, and he's been fighting this guy and he goes to her house and it turns out that he is her dad. And the villain. they're just a mixed race family. Yeah. They're just a blended family. Yeah. Her mom is black and he, you know, Val Kilmer's white. And it's perfect because it leveraged America's own racist tendencies <laughs> against itself. It hurt itself in its confusion. Nice. And because like, there's no reason. And the, the interesting question is, is it racist to a, to assume like, because you 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 look at a uh, uh, you know a person of color and you wouldn't assume that one of their parents was white and is that reasonable or not mm-hmm. and so it's it was a wonderful twist yeah uh, very well executed I was in the theater uh, with my with my brother in law Matt Perrazzo how you doing Matt <laughs> I hurt you buddy come back to Mesa sometime <laughs> um, and we like the audience gasped like it was a genuine moment of oh shit mm-hmm. just because it was. It was such a beautiful twist that didn't have to be shoehorned in there. Mechanically, it was perfect. It wasn't even a twist. The twist was in the audience. It wasn't even in the script. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. And it's, I feel like that's another example of how this kind of thing can be done well, how race can be a factor, mm-hmm. but not, not like. Not in a gross way. Not the contentious. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not the mechanism of conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is my math rock band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. The boys depart, um, and they go back to Baker Street, and, uh, Holmes says a really powerful line, mm-hmm. um, because as, as we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier, you know, men are taught that we are always at least a little bit right, which is why it's really difficult for men to apologize. One of the reasons it's really difficult for men to apologize. Mm-hmm. And Holmes straight up owns that, yo, I got this one wrong, mm-hmm. uh, like hundo, mm-hmm. like no, like swing and a miss. No, not even a little bit. And he says, Watson, if it should ever strike you that I am getting a little overconfident in my powers or giving less pains to a case than it deserves, kindly whisper Norbury in my ear and I shall be infinitely obliged to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Line. That is great line. And then the story just ends with that. Which is perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's a great resolution mm-hmm. because it would be really easy for Holmes to say, well, I was wrong, but uh, I think we all know this is an outlier. This is the <laughs> exception that proves the rule, which is that yeah. I am awesome. But yeah. no, he just owns it and decides to rein his goddamn assumptions in. This is honestly, this is an early example of the checking of privilege, if you think about it. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, And it's a great piece of... Uh, character for Holmes uh, in this story. Yeah. You get to see him be like actively humble uh, about messing up and owning it and also um, in a bit of like a meta way. The fact that Watson was able to publish this story, you know from like previous things that Watson says that he only publishes things that Holmes lets him publish. Uh, so Holmes allowed him Correct. to publish this story. He remembered it and he was like, yeah, that's fine. You can You can show me messing up. So you know that not only did he tell Watson to like you know, remind him, like, whisper in his ear when he's getting too overconfident. Right. Um, but also he was, he, he allowed himself to be seen as imperfect. And to in other stories, he, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And in other stories, he kind of picks on Watson for like, oh, well, 
or in earlier stories, it's like, oh, well, people who read, who just read your accounts and don't know me are going to think I'm this infallible, perfect machine. Um, but, uh, so that, yeah, the fact that he doesn't mind people knowing that he is human and messes up occasionally is pretty cool for a character as smart as he is. Um, so yeah, this, yeah, this story is definitely, I mean, he's, Holmes has arrogance and humility in equal measure, honestly. Yeah. We just yeah. don't honestly, we, we, we just don't usually get to see much of the humility because when it's called for, he has no problem with it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is anyway, nice. Anyway, good story. I'm yeah. really, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and just like a good, I, one of the things that really, uh, draws me to the character about that too is that he's like, he's, he's, he's very masculine in some ways, but also, mm-hmm like non-toxic masculinity in a lot of other ways. Right. He is wholesome masculinity for the yeah, most part. Which is really refreshing yeah. to see, especially from like a I, I I guess I would call the I guess I would call these stories actiony. They're they're not like action adventure stories, they're mysteries, but there's a lot of action and he's kinda like Yeah. A lot of a lot of movie adaptations make him into a kind of action hero and give him all the like gruff masculine won't admit he's wrong kind of personality things. Right. But I like seeing a character who is action oriented, but that can still, that isn't like the typical macho kind of action right. hero character. It's refreshing. You know, it's like there, it's, it's realistic too. Cause like no man is actually like that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's, yeah, yeah, it's true. So yeah, this, yeah, this story is great. All right. So uh what's, what's next? What's next? Let's find out. Yeah. I've got the cannon up here. I've got my, ah, sorry, <laughs> drop my dice. I've got my dice here we go we are reading next number 32 on the list actually the very last one on the list uh we are uh, a little more than halfway through the canon i think which is pretty good um and i think the the number the count discrepancy there is because we've taken more than one episode for a couple of things yeah we also did like you know holmes and watson yeah is that which episode is this this is episode 31 okay 31 cool okay sorry go on so for episode 32, we're reading number 32 on the list, which is fun. Uh, 1927's Shoscombe Old Place. Okay. As Do you know this one? As with all of the stories where the title of the story is the name of the place that the story takes place mm. and not have anything to do with what that story was actually mm. about. I do that not remember bodes. this story, but, <laughs> but you know. It'll, it'll be a fun Those surprise. have not been great ones, historically fun, speaking. Fun but, to both uh, of us. Yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember the story. I'm not going to say too much of it for uh, fear of looking like a doofus when we do read it. <laughs> All right, so it's uh, The Adventure of... Shoscombe, S-H-O-S-C-O-M-B-E, Shoscombe Old Place. All right. So you can go ahead and read that for your Holmes work uh, for next week. You can uh, tweet at us. Please do. We would love to hear from you over at The Final Podlum. Oh, also, I keep meaning to say, uh, I, I said it the first time you, Liz Layton, and I recorded, but then that got deleted uh, or erased, and I forgot about it. Um, if you, if if we have any uh, friends of DeSoto among our listeners, if you happen to come over because of the advert we had over on The Greatest Generation, welcome! Pull up a bar stool, and uh, we'll pour you a blue drink of camaraderie and some fresh gach. Um, it's good to have you. You can tweet at us. Please do. You can listen to our other programs on the Semi-Automagic Inc. network. You can listen to the Gerald Field Report, where we go through Hey Arnold episode by episode. You can listen to Dice and Virtue, where we play Dungeons and Dragons. You can listen to... It's when you can't remember how many you have <laughs> the problem really becomes evident. You can listen to Peculiar Objects, uh, where we play Kids on Bikes, which is uh, like D&D, but in the real world, and you're just kids, and also there's not much magic. So, yeah, it's actually not much like D&D, but it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can listen to Squirrel Scouts of America, where we read through Unbeatable Squirrel Girl one episode at a time, if uh, or one issue at a time. If you should like to, uh, you could go to patreon.com slash semi-automagic and support us with that most universal of love languages, dollars. Uh, but, like... 
it's also a time when a lot of people don't have jobs. So super don't like I personally, uh, actually just yesterday had to, had to scale down a lot of my Patreon subscriptions and I didn't feel great about it, but I know that the Patreon people understand and we do too. So, uh, if you don't want to give us dollars or cannot, maybe tell a friend who you know loves Sherlock Holmes or who you think maybe lost an ancestor in the great horse factory explosion of 82 and, uh, may learn some things about their family we would love to hear your story we really would (laughs) so tell your friends read the shoskum old palace i'm never gonna remember how to pronounce that and until then please continue to wash your goddamn hands cover your goddamn face and stay in goddamn side and also if you are struggling mentally with your mental health uh reach out to somebody and talk to a friend or journal about it or just don't be afraid of your emotions it's fine everyone's everyone's having a hard time right now and uh you're not weak it's it's, it's true. It's fine. Your friends are there for you. And if they're not there, I personally am there for you. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, hit me up. On it's like those, it's like those I am your mom now memes, except it's not. We're, yes. we're your friends now. Yes, you can tell friends. anyone you want that we are your friends. Like if you talk about p- podcast people, like they're your friends and people make <laughs> fun of you for it, you tell them that they are wrong. We are your friends. We are definitely your friends. If you have listened to this at any time and enjoyed it whatsoever, I'm your friend now. That's it. You don't get a choice. Yes. 100%. <laughs> Now, Nicholas, if you'll hand me my horrifying yellow face mask, I have to, uh, I have to go to the grocery store and I would like to scare away as many people as possible. I don't really want to wear the yellow one though. Do we, uh, uh what else? Do, no, mean, that's I all got, we got. I got a Batman mask, but that only cover, that covers the wrong half of your face. Exactly. That really does. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I mean, our foreheads aren't the ones spreading the virus. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess I'll just have to put on this horrifying gargoyle mask and venture out into society. <laughs> Until then, we love you all our buddies. Take care. Till next time. Hmm. I can't believe it's not a hate crime. <laughs> it's always eating noises with you. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun to make. Let's do a take without the eating noises. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> You're not actually eating, so what's the point? Okay. <laughs> it's, in the, it's art, Nicholas. It's in your soul. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, you let me play my harmonica. I'll let you make the eating noises. All right. No, and then we can we can we can do one without that. That may not be ASMR <laughs> friendly. Who knows? Uh, all right. Then I'll just do a I'll, I'll just do a clean one. Okay. Huh. I can't believe it's not a hate crime. I'm talking to Dylan. I want him to do like a like a version of that for the 22nd century one that's just lasers. And I don't know. I don't know if his synthesizer has a laser setting, but if it does, yeah. Oops, all lasers. Pew 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 pew.